The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available Pro-Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. An available Pro Power onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. I'm hoping some of you know that John Quincy Adams, son of John Adams, the second president of America and America's first vice president, was the sixth president of the United States. Guessing fewer of you know that he was also a Massachusetts state senator, a professor at both Harvard and Brown University, the first U.S. diplomat to live in Russia, the secretary of state, was a former member of Congress from Massachusetts, winning a seat in the House of Representatives after losing a presidential re-election bid to Andrew Jackson, and serving as a member of Congress for 17 years until his death. And I'm guessing that even fewer still, probably much, much, much fewer, know that shortly before leaving office uh, as president, he hoped to fund an expedition by a one Captain John Cleve Sims Jr., who for years had been trying to get funding to take a trip to the North Pole, uh, where he believed there was a giant opening that led to the center of the Earth, where some mole people potentially lived who he hoped to establish trade with. Yep, you heard me right. A president of the United States intended to fund an attempt to trade with mole people living in the center of the earth. This is history. Work can wait. It's Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. Okay, full disclaimer up top, uh, while you're hearing this, uh, you know, at the, at the earliest, in early November, um, due to moving, kind of a busy travel schedule, and a lot of other work and life commitments uh, that's been going on the past few weeks for me, I had to record this episode prior to the election in October. So that's, I would love to be commenting right now on the results of the election, you know, at least, at least a little bit, but I have no fucking idea who won, because <laughs> right now it's still October for me. So, you know, ideally I want to do a lot of these as close to the release as possible, but sometimes life just doesn't make that uh, an option. 
but I but I did feel you know uh, because you know uh, of the crazy election that we've been experiencing that it, that it was fun. It would be fun to do a time suck about the craziest presidential story I've ever heard of, and that definitely is John Quincy Adams' interest in funding a journey to the center of the earth. And and before I begin, I want to give a special thanks to a Kansas City comic and and, and former teacher, uh, maybe current teacher, I can't remember exactly, Kevin Amend. Um, he is the one who, after a, a show at Stanford's I had uh, a while back, back in Kansas City, he's the one who introduced me to this crazy tale. It was I was talking about the, the Lizard Illuminati, and he's like, oh, well, if you like that kind of shit, check this out. And then, yeah, he told me about this, <laughs> this John Quincy Adams interest in, in going into the earth. Okay, so let's start with uh, where this comes from. Because, you know, there's actually not a lot of information on the web. And so I was kind of skeptical when I was first getting ready to do this episode that maybe I wouldn't be able to. That maybe it was just an urban legend and that, in fact, you know, the John Quincy Adams never had any intention of the sort. Like, this is all just nonsense. But because uh, there's a badass website called archive.org, you can find a lot of old books that are on there. And, and, and one of those books is the memoirs. It's called The Memoirs of John Quincy Adams, and it's part biography written by his son, the historian, politician, and diplomat Charles Francis Adams, and it's part autobi- uh, autobiography because it contained unedited portions of John Quincy's diary, which he started writing as a child and, and kept with until his death. So his life and his thoughts uh, about his life are extremely well documented. And on page 168 of this book, if you ever want to check it out, um, here, here's what he, he says. I'm going to do my old-timey. This is, this, is, this is John Quincy Adams writing here. Mr. Reynolds is a man who has been lecturing about the country, and that was like a weird Eastern European. I'm going to start over. Which is better with voices? I feel like I got like two funny voices I do on my show, and then the rest is just, it's all like forms of those voices. I used to be able to do them as a kid. Mr. Reynolds is a man who has been lecturing about the country in support of Captain John Cleve Sims' theory, that the Earth is a hollow sphere open at the poles. His lectures are said to have been well attended and much approved as exhibitions of genius and science. But the theory itself has been so much ridiculed and is in truth so visionary that Reynolds has now varied his purpose to the proposition of fitting out a voyage of circumnavigation to the Southern Ocean. He has obtained numerous signatures in Baltimore to a memorial to Congress for this object, which he says will otherwise be powerfully supported. It will, however, have no support in Congress. That day will come. But not yet, nor in my time. May it be my fortune and my praise to accelerate its approach. All right. So here, so it's clear when, when I get into the rest of this information, what, what he's saying here. It's clear from this diary entry that there's a man named Captain John Cleve Sim. Uh, uh, he references, just referenced, who has a theory about the earth being hollow. Uh, about believing there are entrances to the inside of the earth at the poles. That's why he wants to circumnavigate over to the poles. And about wanting to get funding to, for an expedition to prove he's right. And, and I don't think he actually just referenced – oh, no. No, he does see a hollow sphere there. Okay, exactly. And, and this is an expedition that Congress is not into but that John Quincy Adams clearly believes uh, they should be into, as proven by him saying, may it be my fortune and my praise to accelerate its approach. Like he fucking – he's like, yeah, man, I wish – God, if I have a chance – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can to help fund this expedition, you know, and, and, and start finding out about this kind of stuff. 
So that's and, and actually uh, he was going to if he would have been reelected, uh, he only served one term. Andrew Jackson uh, beat him, but if he, if Andrew Jackson wouldn't have beat him, I, a lot of people believe that you know one of the things he would have done in his second you know lame duck term would have been like fuck yeah get get old, go check out those poles man check them out get over get over there find that hole into the center of the earth. So before we we get into what exactly this theory was, like a little more details and, and who this guy Sims was. Um, uh, I'm sorry, let's find out who this guy Sims was. So this, this Captain John Cleve Sims, uh, and often referred to as Captain John Cleve Sims Jr. to distinguish him from an uncle of the same name, who that guy probably appreciated, because uh, uh, Sims Jr. was you know seen at the end of his life as just a, a lunatic by most people. Uh, he, he was born in 1780, lived until 1829, uh, served in the military for 13 years, participated in the War of 1812, even, even had a duel with a fellow officer, both men were shot, both survived, and became friends. Just a quick, quick note. Now, how fucking cool is that? That's so, that's so weird to me to think about, you know, that it wasn't that long ago when people had duels. I mean, really think about that. That's just a, it's a, this is a quick little side note. It has nothing to do with the main thrust of this podcast. But this dude, this Sims, you know, he gets in an argument with some guy uh when he's serving in the military and he's you know and, and it reaches the point where they're like let's have a duel and not like a fist fight which to me that's pretty macho in and of itself you know i remember kids in school who were just like let's let's throw down and they would like rotate around i remember that one time with the basketball court this kid ronnie shepherd back in riggins and some other kid that was like uh he was only around for a couple years in riggins but he was a big tough kid i want to say his name was micah but i could be completely wrong so long ago, it doesn't matter. But I remember the three of us were playing pickup basketball. I couldn't have been more than 11. And the two of them got into an argument and then <laughs> decided to fight and then did like an old-timey circling each other, throwing punches, punched each other in the face. Uh, they each snuck some punches in. And like not just like a sloppy fight that like that I would have – Done. Like I tried to box later in high school. I, 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 I do MMA a little bit now and actually finally know how to like throw some punches. But I remember one time I tried to box in high school. We just got like backyard boxing. We just threw gloves on and just wailed on each other. And I, <laughs> I had no technique. Like the person, when they would try to throw a punch against me, I remember my friend Kyler Wilson punching me. My technique was not a good one. My defensive technique, it was to kind of huddle down to avoid the punch, like, like bend over from the waist, looking down at the ground. Uh, turns out what that does is it opens up the back of your head to take a lot of damage. And I had a headache for several days after my, <laughs> I probably got like, a, I probably got a concussion. I got hit in the back of the head by like, you know, and they're able to get like full haymaker momentum as they swing down into the back of your head when you do that. So that's not good. But, but these guys had clearly, someone had shown them a little bit how to fight and they were like, you know, uh, ducking punches, like dodging to the side, throwing punches and then they, they, they smacked each other around for a little bit. And then, like, as they were punching each other, I just watched this, like, mutual admiration grow. Where they're, like, they respected each other for fighting each other. And then, <laughs> and then they went, like, to the grocery store and got, like, sodas and were, like, cool. And then they were always cool after that. God, I wish I would have. I wish I had a, a personal version of that. I was so fucking tiny. I was tiny and cowardly, which is, which is a rough combination as a kid. When you're very small and scared. Um, of violence. So I'm fascinated when people aren't. And this guy Sims, you know, he he did a duel with somebody. 
Uh, one guy got shot in the shoulder. Can't remember which one. The other one got shot in the leg. And and then afterwards, I think they had that equivalent of what I saw. Where they're like, hey, man, I respect. Respect. Uh, you know, I'm glad, glad we're both not dead, you know. From here on out, let's agree to disagree. Let's go grab a drink. Uh, let's get our wounds taken care of. Let's get these bullets taken out. Uh, hopefully not have to have uh, a limb sawed off. And then let's grab a drink. I mean, geez, that is, that is badass, man. It took bullets in an argument. Okay. So then the Sims guy. He leaves the military in 1815, moves to St. Louis, where he kind of opened up this trading business, uh, selling supplies to the army. You know, obviously with his military background, that makes sense. You know, as a lot of uh, military people do, kind of become a consultant or, or work with the military post-military uh, life. And then this company fails in 1819. And he moves his family to Newport, Kentucky, where he spends the last almost 10 years of his life. And, and, and one of the reasons his business may have failed is that because he wasn't totally focused on work when he was in St. Louis. He, he had been focusing on this new theory he'd been cooking up. And on April 10, 1818, he published a pamphlet called Circular Number 1 that announced his new hollow earth theory. Uh, quick side note on that, he wasn't the only person promoting some version of a hollow earth. So it wasn't like he came out with this theory in a vacuum. But uh, this is the one that John Quincy Adams, you know, got a hold of, was his version. And in it, he states, quote, I declare that the earth is hollow and habitable within, containing a number of solid concentric spheres, one within the other, and that is open at the poles 12 or 16 degrees. I pledge my life in support of this truth and am ready to explore the hollow if the world will support and aid me in this undertaking. The hollow, man. That reminds me of this movie Insidious where they're talking about exploring the further, this like further expanse of the galaxy where you can astral project. I'm going to do a lot of weird shit as far as it's for entertainment. I don't believe in it, but um, okay. So a small, and a small, you know, he says that he, he puts out this pamphlet. I love when people, by the way, publish like a pamphlet. I feel like that's, <laughs> you never hear, you never hear about like anybody like super successful that like their success is traced back to this like pamphlet they published. They self-published a pamphlet, um, especially when it's like pseudoscience. It's like, oh yeah, that's how uh, you know, that's how many of our top scientists got started. They fucking wrote a pamphlet in their basement. Um, so a small percentage of people though did support this, and and some people even called him the Newton of the West. And he travels around the country after he gets you know he moves back to Newport, uh, travels around the country, and he's lecturing on this theory, and over the next, you know, almost decade, with the help of this Ohio millionaire who believed him, one of his biggest disciples named James McBride, uh, he lobbies for government and private funding for this expedition to prove his theory right. And, um, <laughs> and you know, and he did suggest, as I'm going to um, reference here in a bit, the quotes, but that there could be people living in there, these, you know, that have been called by some people, as uh, referred to later as mole people, you know, for living underground, that you could maybe do some trade with, you know, and maybe make some profit. And uh, this McBride guy, who was big supporters, uh, through some influential friends, you know, as he was a millionaire, they did actually get a proposal to Congress, and it was shot down 56 to 46, which fucking blows my mind. So that does put John Quincy Adams in some context. He wasn't a complete nut. Um, it is a super cra crazy idea, but... Uh, apparently 46, you know, congressmen were like, eh, maybe, maybe, maybe we should check it out. We should, we should check it out at the very least, just to be sure there's not giant holes into the center of the earth at our poles. Um, 
Yeah, and and, and by the way, the Sims guy, he, he never did put out a book about his things, but McBride did. The guy I just referenced did publish a, a book of Sims thoughts called The Sims Theory of Cocentric Spheres. That was published in 1826. And, uh, and, and little interesting stuff on Sims here. Man, the balls this guy had to pursue this. I'm fascinated when people do this kind of stuff. He, he was married. He, he married a widow who already had six kids when he was 28, this lady Mary, uh, and he was still in the army. So, she, so this lady Mary, she's a, she's a widow. She has six kids to feed. She marries a dude who has a job, you know, uh, who has a military job, a good job. And then they have, depending on what report you read, four or five kids. So they end up with either 10 or 11 kids by the time he is 39, by the time he's in St. Louis, you know, my age now. And then, so this dude, you know, his business fails. He has at least 10 kids that it's his job to provide for in this day and age. <laughs> and instead uh, of continuing to work, he's like, nah, fucking the hollow earth theory is too important. I need to get my expedition going. I need it. And he, and he does this, I, I say lecture circuit, but it, from what I've read, it seems very small time. Like he's, I don't know, get, putting lectures on at various, <laughs> they had some kind of speaker circuit back then where people would talk about their crazy ideas and you'd see who'd show up. And, and he would, but he's not really getting paid. He's just hoping to get backers like this McBride guy who did, you know, give him some financial backing. And he's trying to find funding for this expedition. And he does this for like the last nine years of his life. And he puts out several more pamphlets. And, and then he, when he dies at 48, he leaves the family in, in a huge amount of debt. Like what a dick. You know, that's like, okay, that's like me right now. You know, I've I got like the two kids and, you know, and I'm divorced and luckily like their, their mom has a stable job, but let's say she doesn't, let's say that they're, they're, you know, I'm providing for them solely. And, and right now in my home, you know, I'm the one working and let's say I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I know I can make some money, uh, continuing to put out, you know, comedy albums and tour and stuff, but I just have a, uh, an inkling. I just have this, this thought that won't let me go. Where I just I just feel like there are golden worms living in the earth because that's how gold got in there. These worms, they run around and they they poop out gold, and that's how we get gold in the ground. And you know everybody's been fucking approaching it the wrong way. Everybody's been trying to mine their the worm poop gold, and that's what that's what they they think like. Oh, I got if I just get enough of the worm poop, then I'll have enough gold for my wealth. But if you could get the worm itself that I've thought into my head exists, then, well, then you got, you know, you just, you keep them in a cage. You keep them in a worm cage, and you feed them dirt, and you get gold. You, check out how great is that. You feed them dirt, that, that costs you nothing. You just take your dirt, you go down to, uh, you, okay, you buy a couple acres of dirt, all right? And then you, the, don't even worry about it. Take out a loan. We'll just put all the family money into that. That's what we're going to do. We're going to take all of our savings. We're going to buy two fields of dirt. I'm going to search for these <laughs> for the rest of my life. I'm going to search for worm, gold worms. And I'm going to put them in cages. And then everybody's laughing now about my theory that comes from only in my head. But no one's going to be laughing when I just have never any gold supply. So, <laughs> okay. I mean, I just made that up on the spot. But that is basically fucking what he did. There's this guy, McBride, or sorry, Sims. I got these old timers confused. He didn't have uh, a scientific background he didn't he just he had like his son and who wrote some stuff about him after he died just said that he had like a proper english education which to me means like he went to high school and stuff he wasn't a scientist he wasn't newton he wasn't he wasn't he had no 
scientific, you know, he, he showed earlier in life no predilection for, for being good at science. But he just thinks that the earth is hollow. And then he just, like, works these ideas over in his head. That com- <laughs> and then just abandons his family, his financial responsibilities to his family. And there are reports, by the way, like, they lived in squalor the, the rest of their life. These kids just grew up in squalor because dad's out looking for fucking uh, mole people. Which I know I, I do have a quote up here that where he does reference thinking that people live in there. And, you know, and people, man, people point to, like, people like Bill Gates and stuff about people who take big chances in life and it pays off and do something that everybody thinks is stupid and it pays off. And, like, you know, how he dropped out of Harvard when nobody knew about really computers and what the commercialization of them could be. And I'm sure people thought he was an idiot, but now he's a billionaire, and there you go. Yeah, but for every Gates, there's, a, like, a way more Sims. There's way more Sims juniors out there who just don't do shit uh, other than be a laughingstock of their peers for the rest of their lives. Okay. So another article I want to reference, though, about this guy, Sims, just to talk about what he did. Uh, this is from Slate.com. It says, uh, eccentric would-be explorer John Cleve Sims Jr. Uh, addressed this circular to the city of Wilmington, Delaware, in 1888. He solicited a fellowship of 100 like-minded brave souls to come with him on a polar journey <laughs> supplied by, quote, reindeer and sleighs. Uh, to discover the center of the earth, which he declared was hollow and habitable within. And uh, he also, he, he sent 500 copies of this message to dis- distinguish individuals and groups around the country, scientists, uh, like the, you know, learned societies, universities. He also attached a certificate of his own sanity to each copy, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> He's like, eh, no, I'm, I'm not insane. Yeah, yeah you are. Um, and... Like, like, where does this come from? I mean, really, it was there – was, there was other people like astronomer uh, Edmund Haley, uh, better known for the comet, the, co- the Haley's Comet, who, who did hypothesize about a hollow Earth in 1691. So there was – I mean, again, you know, this is pre-having photographs from spaceships and the moon where you, and, and satellites where you can't see for sure that it's round. But fucking come on. You've been on – people have been on boats. You can see the horizon drop off in the distance. Um. So there was thoughts of this, you know, before. Um, and in the circular Sims made, he tried to associate himself with prominent, respected scientists, you know, like Humphrey Davies, some British chemist inventor, Alexander von Humboldt, some Prussian explorer and geographer. And, uh, and, and, and these guys didn't want to associate with him. He, he really was uh, a laughingstock. Never raised the money. N- never did any of that. And, and, and I want to get into a little bit, I referenced it before, the details of what he thought was inside the Earth. So he, here's what he thinks. He thought that the, the theory he came up with, he thought that the inner surfaces, it was kind of like these, these, like these levels of rings. It's really weird. Like the Earth was hollow. Like basically like picture an apple if you took out the core. And then uh, inside the apple, you know, every couple centimeters, you put like a ring and that people lived on these rings. Uh, he said it was, quote, a warm and rich land stocked with thrifty vegetables and animals, if not men. So he believed that there were definitely animals, probably men, living on these rings in there. And he, and he thought also you could just kind of walk, like you'd be walking along up to the North Pole and then some weird gravitational theory of his where you would just kind of like go or like, like over the bend and all of a sudden you're walking inside the earth. Like you wouldn't just fall through the middle. Like the gravity shifted and pulled you along the sides, and then I don't know how the <laughs> – it's very, it's very complicated, uh, mostly because it's based in nonsense. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, so that's what this guy is promoting, 
And that in and of itself is super crazy. But then extra crazy that John Quincy Adams, as I stated at the top, he was like, yeah, man, let's let's check this shit out. Like he wanted he wanted to try and, you know, if there's people living in the center of the earth, we need to find them. And we need to, you know, see what else is was is in there. Ah, <sighs> unbelievable. But I but I will say let's let's give some context to what was going on around there. Uh, this is this is some other things people believed in the early 19th century. They believed they still believed this was an older belief that that animals sometimes came from nothing. Now this is here. Here's check this out. Before microscopes and theories of cells and germs, uh, people had other ideas about the creation of living things. People like bizarrely believe that life arose from inanimate matter. For example, people thought that maggots just kind of spontaneously arose from rotting meat. And then at one time, you know, virtually everyone believed this. And I guess the Bible was kind of a source of evidence due to the fact that God made man from dust. So it kind of came out of that logic. Like if he made us from dust, maggots come from meat. And uh, <laughs> this view did did you know, last right up until the 19th century. So people, you know, in, in, in John Adams' day, there was an, uh, you know, we're thinking like, how could they believe the earth was hollow? Well, they also believed that, you know, that animals, there was, there was one common thing, that, that uh, there was some tree, some mythical tree that lambs could grow from. That was something that people believed <laughs> in medieval Europe, some people. And, uh, and then there was even like recipes about how to make animals that got, you know, thrown around from the, I guess, the nuts of that day. But... But it wasn't just immediately laughed off by everybody. Like there was one in the 19th century, like a recipe from scorpions that got passed around. Uh, didn't get put to, to rest completely until 1859 when Louis Pasteur proved it wrong once and for all. So like scientists had to disprove things such as a recipe that called for basil and, uh, and placing you know, the basil between two bricks and leaving it in sunlight. And if you did that, uh, voila, scorpion. <laughs> And, uh, and flat earth uh, theory, uh, that was also around at the time. So even though people had like Magellan and stuff had been going around the earth, uh, not only did some people believe that there was holes through the earth where people lived inside, they also believed still a lot of people that the earth was flat, uh, which, and, and people again, fucking still believe this, still believe it. Uh, un unbelievable to me. He here is how flat earth theory is supposedly works. Um, I just found this out because I'd heard about it, but I did a little research for this one. And apparently the sun and the moon are the same size, according to flat earth, flat earth theory people. They're 32 miles across, which is like the length of Manhattan's coastline, so not really big. Uh, the earth doesn't orbit them. It doesn't orbit. Instead, the sun and the moon kind of move in rotating spheres 2,500 miles above us. So these little flat spheres are rotating. <laughs> like, it's such insanity. Like, what? How is one of the flat spheres super warm? Like, how does that... Uh, anyway, how does the other flat sphere affect the tides? They don't have answers for a lot of that. Um, but the, the flat Earth, it finds basically like the North Pole. If you look at a map of flat Earth theory, the North Pole is like in the middle of this flat disk, and the outer edge is Antarctica. And then all the... Con like, like, if you flattened a globe, like if you had a globe, and you pushed down the North Pole, and you flattened it, and somehow stretch the bottom so that Antarctica now kind of goes all around the edge. They believe that we're just in space, this flat disc floating around, which I've met people who fucking believe this. It's on what? Um, and th so, you, so if you went to Antarctica, even though we have a base there, like they just disregard that. They probably think it's just fake, like the moon landing. You flat earth theory, uh, you could just like fucking walk out into space. 
Like you can walk to space, which if only NASA knew that. They could save so much money on shuttles. It's like, hey, guys, you don't have to fucking get your shuttle anymore. You just um, just push it off the edge of Antarctica. Just take your shuttle. No, you don't need to launch it from Florida. Just we'll drag it to the Antarctica and then just kind of push it off, and then it'll just fly into space because it's, you know, <laughs> it's right there. Ah. Uh, don't know how many people believe that because there's no um, studies. No one's bothered to, like, do a, a legitimate survey of, like, how many people believe in flat Earth that I can find. Um, but there is a Facebook page. It's the Flat Earth Society, and it has over 40,000 likes. And I'm guessing not all those can be mocking. So, wow, man. Wow. So, so really, this is just about crazy ideas more than it's about John Quincy Adams. But, but again, with the recent presidential stuff, it just shows that, like, <laughs> I know with Trump especially, people are like, oh, man, how could he believe all this crazy shit? Well, it, it, you know, if he's president or not, right, whatever, right now, or just, but just the fact that he ran. People have pre- – former presidents have believed crazy things. It, it would not be new for a president to believe something really, really insane, like a giant wall that you're going to build to keep uh, Mexicans uh, out of the country as if they can't dig tunnels. And they haven't been doing that <laughs> as far as the drug cartels very successfully for a long time. But uh, crazy stuff. And, and I'm always fascinated with these ideas in general. I don't want to make this a conspiracy theory podcast, but um, and I won't. But, I, but I'm amazed with people believing in just non-scientific things. It's, uh, I grew up with a, a stepmom for a while that was like that. Like she would just get into these weird – like she would get a book. I remember one was like this Indigo Children book. And then all of a sudden she would just read it. And just because she had read a book, she would turn that into, well, there you go. These are facts. No. Uh, books do not equate facts. You know, you know? Uh, the author of the book fairly important to h- how much in the book you should believe. You know, if, you, if you're reading a book by, by somebody who has a, an incredible scientific pedigree and was like a Rhodes Scholar, I would think that should carry a little more weight than somebody uh, who is writing books in their parents' basement and have only worked at Arby's. That's, that's me. That's just me. Um, and again, I, I just I grew up uh, in Riggins around a lot of people uh, who did not have uh, a high level of education and did have a lot of fucking theories. Like I remember the area getting re- real worked up about Y2K, that you know the year 2000, that shit was going to go crazy and all the computers were going to go down and the stock market was going to crash and you better have gold hidden your walls, which I knew people that did, literally had gold in their wallet, and you better. Bear your guns because the government's going to use this economic collapse to bring in their UN forces that they've been hiding, and you know because they've been working with the trilateralists, and they're going to come take all of our stuff and uh, make us some kind of 1984 Orwellian society, and we're just going to be drones. If I fucking bunch of horseshit, just a bunch of horseshit. Okay, all right. Well, I hope this was interesting horseshit. That's that that could be the name I feel like of this podcast. Uh, I like time suck. Could also be known as interesting horseshit. Top five takeaways from this one, from this journey to the center of the earth. Uh, Number one, some people used to believe that the earth was hollow. People like our sixth president, John Quincy Adams, who was interested in funding an expedition to see what was inside. You know, possibly mole people. I just love that term. Number two, don't abandon your family to pursue your stupid fucking idea. You're going to be John Sims, uh, probably more likely than you're going to be Bill Gates. Number three, can't make a scorpion out of basil. 
but how sweet would it be if you could, right? I mean, if you could do that, I'd be watching YouTube videos right now about scorpion pranks instead of doing this podcast. I mean, how cool would that be? One second, you know, your buddy's eating some delicious spaghetti. And the next second, that sweet marinara sauce is full of scorpions, motherfucker. Gotcha. <laughs> scorpion prank. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four. The earth isn't flat, you dipshits. Uh, if you believe that to be true, I, I can't know everything about you, but I do know you did not receive a good education. For sure I know that. Because uh, you know who doesn't believe in flat earth? MIT grads. You fucking moron. Number five, education, very important to build off number four. Very important. I think that's what, that's what uh, this podcast uh, episode and a lot of them really prove. And, man, we got to value education. And not just liberal arts. Take a science class here and there, you know, if you're still in school. Or read the occasional nonfiction book by someone who did take a science class. You know, not by someone who, who you know, wrote it in between acid trips at Burning Man. You dumb hippie. And keep listening to Time Suck, everybody. I appreciate the nice comments on iTunes and the feedback at uh, timesuckpodcast.com where you can leave your comments on each and every episode. I do read them. And I am going to be putting even more work into this going forward uh, after this episode. Uh, my, my other work commitments are going to lessen for a while, which makes me very happy that I can work on this making better and better and better. And if you have any suggestions, man, uh, feel free. Hit me up. You can email me, dan at dancummins.tv. You can drop a, drop a comment on Stitcher or iTunes. You can drop a comment on timesuckpodcast.com. Because, uh, again, I, I read them. I, I care about it. All right. Stay curious, everybody. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.